Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So, so let me add my uh, wishes to all of you moms out there. Happy Mother's Day. Um, it is actually very fitting that on Mother's Day, we are in the middle of this series we are calling Love Rules. Because if you think about it, your very first experience of love was very likely from your mom right? And you moms, I know this is true, that you took love to a whole new level when you had your first child. You began to realize love is hard. (laughs) This is not easy stuff. This is hard work. Um, And and it really is. When we've been going through this whole series, um, it's based on what Jesus said is the greatest commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said it would be the distinguishing characteristic of his followers that they would love one another. We call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's all about love. And, and, and we as a church um, are committed to that, that we grow in this idea of love and how to be better at loving because love is life-giving. It really is. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, These words, he said, listen, let love be your highest goal. Jesus said it. Paul said it. God himself said it through the the Ten Commandments. The most important thing that you can do with your life is to learn how to love. And it's not some sicky, sweet sentimentality like we talked about. It is really hard work. But it is our calling, and particularly as Christ followers, I believe that particularly those of us who call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, it is incumbent on us, it's demanded of us, that we learn how to love, both individually and together as a faith community. And it's my hope, and it's our prayer, that through this whole series, that we as a faith community would learn how to better show love to others. And we've been going through this looking at... 1 Corinthians 13, which is probably the most well-known of all passages of Scripture on the topic of love. So we're going to read it again today like we've done each week. We keep going back over the same thing because eventually you're going to get it, all right? Um, 1 Corinthians 13, this is what Paul wrote. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have to get the prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge... And I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In this series, we have been calling this the rules of love. Because in essence, that's what Paul is doing. He's saying this is how love works. And it's not rules like, you know, that you have to kind of be hard on, but just understand this is what love looks like. If you live by these rules, you are learning how to love. 
And so that's why we've been taking time to do it. And we've been taking a few at a time, kind of putting together. And very often they overlap, they're connected, they're interrelated with each other. And last week we looked at this idea that love um, does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud. In other words, love, the key takeaway of last week was love is selfless. But the other side of the coin to that is this, that love is also others wise. That love is directed outward. It is, it is considerate, it is involved with other people. And so that's the one we're going to look at, rule number three, that love is others wise. And we're going to look at how love is expressed to others through the next two in the series, okay? So I want to start with this idea. Love affirms the value and the worth of other people. Love is, affirms the value and the worth of other people. Paul put it this way, love does not dishonor others. If you have an old King James Version Bible, it says love does not behave unseemly. What does that mean? Uh, some translations say love is not rude. But because if you think about it, good manners and politeness, that's really kind of elementary school type love. It really is. That's why your mom taught you all of those good manners. You know, um, don't chew with your mouth open. Always say please and thank you. Hold the door for somebody else. You know, those kinds of things. I know when our, uh, our son was growing up, uh, when he got to be like middle school age, and I was trying to teach him this idea of holding the door open for your mom. Hold the door, open the door for your sister. You know, doing this thing. And he wasn't quite getting it. And I said, well, this is what a gentleman does. And he said, I don't want to be a gentleman. I said, give it a few years, son. You will. Because <laughs> if you think about it, that's really good manners. It's kind of, like I said, it's like elementary school, just beginning stages love. It, it's understanding and living with the fact that there are other people in my life. I do life with others. But, but the word itself um, in, the, in the original translation, and for those of you who don't know, our Bible was originally written, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And so what we have are translations and, and the translation of this word is kind of difficult because it's more about not just being polite or having good manners or not being rude. It has with it this idea of, of caring about people and not acting in a way that would belittle them or demean them or embarrass them. It's about treating others with, um, with respect and, and not causing shame or, or disgrace to somebody else. It's just about being considerate, treating people with dignity. And very often, the way that we do that is through our words. Very often, you find in the New Testament, Paul writing to a lot of these churches in the New Testament, talking to them about things like not gossiping and rumor-mongering and, and, and slander and backbiting each other because we can do so much damage with our words. Paul wrote these words to the Ephesian church. He says, do not let any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. In other words, with your words, don't use them to tear people down. Your words are meant to encourage people and build them up, to, to be encouraging to other people. And really what that takes in very simple terms is just notice people. Just pay attention to the people around you. You know, we live such hectic, busy, hurried lives that we don't take much time to notice the people around us. And all around us, people are signaling in a lot of different ways besides their words what's really going on. If you notice, you can see it in their body language. Someone whose shoulders are slumped over or their head is down or you look them in the eye and no matter what's coming out of their mouths, there's something different being told by their eyes. But you've got to notice people. You've got to pay attention 
to the people around you. That is an expression of love in a very proactive kind of way. People all around you every day are in need of encouragement. Hebrews 3.13 says this, encourage one another daily. Daily. How often are you supposed to encourage each other? Daily. Yeah. And in case you don't know what that means, he goes on, he says, as long as it is called today. So today is today. Encourage somebody. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't take this for granted. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today. If someone needs a word of encouragement, if somebody needs help, do it. It's an expression of love. Sometimes it goes beyond our words. Sometimes it, it has to do with, with, with a kind, compassionate touch. It might be a pat on the back or an arm around a shoulder or a hug. What it's doing, it's conveying to somebody else that you have value, that you matter, that you have worth. Jesus did this all the time. You read through the Gospels how he noticed people that nobody else noticed. He, he took time with people that nobody else had time for. There's one account in Mark's Gospel in chapter 10 where, where there's a leper that comes to him. And in verse 40, it says that a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, let me stop right there and explain a little bit because if you don't know about this, if you were a leper in those days, you were required to stay away from other people. You didn't, they didn't want that to be spread throughout the rest of the community. And so you were actually required by law to, to live away from everybody else. That someone who suffered from leprosy was an outcast. That they, they, you, you had to make sure that nobody touched you. If you walked through the city streets, if somebody was near you, you had to shout out, unclean, unclean. So people could make way and not touch you. If there was anybody who was an outcast in society, if there was anybody that was looked down upon as someone of not having any worth or value, it would be someone suffering from leprosy. And it's that person that says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And he healed him. Now, what I want you to notice is he reached out and touched him before he healed him. That's something very, very specific. Because you read through the Gospels, Jesus didn't have to touch people to heal them. He could just speak the word and they would be healed. But he was doing something here in reaching out and touching this man that had not experienced human touch in years, maybe ever in his life. Jesus touches him. And what he's doing is he's conveying value and worth to this person before anybody else would recognize it. Before he was healed, he touched him. See, that's what love does. Love affirms the value and the worth of other people. The other thing that love does is it surrenders personal rights for the benefit of others. Paul wrote it this way, love is not self-seeking. Now, we live in a culture where everybody is very much aware of their rights, in fact, our, our nation was founded on this idea that everyone has been endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. We call the amendments to our constitution the Bill of Rights. Everybody is all about rights. My rights. I want my rights. I want, I want to be heard. I want, I, I want things to go my way. And we don't just want it. We demand our rights. And what happens is within our society, we have seen it. When everybody is demanding their rights, what happens to the culture and the society is it becomes divisive and hostile and it loses that sense of unity. It is not 
the way of love. But see, that's what self-seeking does to a community. It divides people. It separates people. It creates hostility. The opposite of that is love. Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. What does that look like? Honor one another above yourselves. The self-seeking is me first. Love is others first. This kind of came home to me this week. I had one morning this week, I had gone to the local coffee shop and I was going in to get my breakfast, you know, my coffee, my bagel. And, and I got out of my car and I started walking toward the door and I noticed on the other side of the parking lot, somebody else got out of their car at the very same time. And we were about just the same distance from the door. And I just picked up my pace a little bit faster. Because <laughs> I knew if I get to the door first, I get in line first, I get my coffee first, I get out of there first, you know. So without looking like I was racing, I was really racing. Like you've never done that. Yeah, okay, I know. You know, it's, that, that thing. it's me first, me first. And it reminded me of something like years and years and years ago. I remember going through the very same thing and talking about this on a Sunday morning. Wouldn't you know, it'd be this Sunday that I'm preaching about this. And so now I got to practice what I preach. And, and the idea was that instead of racing somebody to the door, if you get to the door first, hold the door open and say, after you. So last week I gave you some words of love. It could be worse, right? It's all about contentment, okay? I'm going to give you a new sentence of love. It's going to be two words, after you. Say, you can say that out loud. After you, yeah. So tomorrow morning when you go to the coffee shop and you're in that little race going with somebody, instead of jumping right ahead, grab the door, open it, and say to the person, after you, yeah. And then once you're inside the door, go ahead and let them get in line and say, no, after you. And this week, when you got to go fill up your car and you go to the gas station, everybody's jockeying for positions in the right line, you know, and somebody gets in that line right in front of you. Instead of telling them what you would really like to tell them, instead, you are going to say, after you, because that's what love does. Love doesn't seek its own. It puts others first. It's the willingness to surrender your rights for the benefit of somebody else. Moms know all about this, because that's what you do. I picked this up this week. Ten selfless things that moms do. Let me give them to you. Number one, your water bottle will be all the way across the room, but you will let your eyeballs shrivel from dehydration because you are trapped under a sleeping baby that's just too sweet to wake. A perfect mom will always have a tissue on hand, but you will use your own shirt if you have to. You eat leftovers off your kids' plates instead of serving yourself. You never go anywhere, even within your own house, without a stash of clean pamper diapers right in within reach. And if you're away from home, you have changed diapers in places you would not even change your own expression. You enthusiastically point out every fire truck and choo-choo train you see while you are driving, sometimes before you realize you're the only one in the car. You spent your birthday money on a cute outfit for the baby. You have mastered the art of spit washing food off your child's face or your husband's. You are wearing a pasta necklace in public because the toddler who made it thinks it's the prettiest thing you own. Your entire music library is now dedicated to songs about dinosaurs and the alphabet and why it's important to eat your vegetables. And... You check for dirty diapers 
by getting your face real close to that butt in question and taking a nice deep sniff. <laughs> That's what mothers do. Those are acts of selfless love. And it's not just for moms. It's for all of us. If you have experienced the love of Christ, you extend that love to others and you do it in tangible ways. John wrote about it this way. He said, listen, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Say, listen, if you see somebody in need and you're not willing to do anything to help them, how can you say God's love is in you? In fact, he goes on. He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth, because love acts. Love does. It's not just a feeling. And ultimately, ultimately, love is expressed through grace. Grace is really an expression of love. Time and time again, all through the New Testament, you find this, this truth to be told. That your relationship with God is really measured by your relationship with the people around you. That this vertical measurement, the measurement of this vertical relationship, the measurement of that is the depth and breadth of the horizontal relationships. Over and over again, you find that. Again, John puts it this way. If a person says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. If a person does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can, the, how can he love God whom he hasn't seen? And most of us think to ourselves, because it's easier. <laughs> But see, that's thinking that love is just a theory. Love has to be expressed to other people. And our experience of unconditional love is found in the grace of God. And those who've experienced God's grace are required to extend his grace. John says we love because he first loved us. Jesus said to his disciples, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he didn't just talk about it. He did it. He went to the cross to express his love to you. Because on the cross, Christ settled once for all the value and worth of every human being. It said that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. David and John at Congo, in their book, The Power of Love, puts it this way. On the cross, each of us was declared highly significant, deeply fallen, and greatly loved. Not because we were so lovable, but because that's what love does. God showed us his unconditional love in that way. It's how God loves. It's how he's called us to love. And he's given us, he's given us these human experiments called the family in which we experience that kind of love. John Ortberg writes about it in his book, uh, The Me I Want to Be. And it's kind of an imaginary conversation between God and his angels at creation. And he writes it this way. He says, one day God says to the angels, I have an idea. I'm going to create the family. An angel asks, what is it? I'm very excited about this idea, God says. Of course, I'm excited about all my ideas. One of the great things about being God is you just never have a bad idea. But this one is special. Family 
is going to be the way that I connect people in love. It'll work like this. Adult people will sign up to take care of a tiny little stranger. Are they going to get paid? Asks an angel. No. That little stranger is actually going to cost them a lot of money. (laughs) Not only that, but that stranger won't even be able to talk at first. It will just cry and scream and you will have to guess why. It will make you lose sleep. It will make messes all the time and you will have to clean it up. It will be utterly vulnerable. You will have to watch that kid 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then when it's two, that little stranger will be able to say words like no and mine. And, I, and it will throw tantrums. And then I'm thinking about inventing puberty. Not too sure about that one yet. But I, when I do, it will get these strange little things called hormones that will go crazy odd things will happen to their bodies they will get pimples their voices will crack and their limbic systems will all melt down then they will grow up and just when they are mature and beautiful and interesting and able to contribute they will move away that's the idea what do you think the angels shuffle around and they look at their feet who's going to tell them they think lord who would sign up for that Why would they do it? And here's where God gets really excited. They won't even know why. They will just look at that little body, those little hands and feet, and they will think that this tiny little stranger is beautiful, even though he looks like every other baby, and all babies look like Winston Churchill. (laughs) And then one day, that little stranger will smile at them. And they will think that they have won the lottery. And that little stranger will say, Dada and Mama. And those little arms and hands will open up and reach out and wrap around that neck. And it is going to feel to that grown-up for the very first time that now they understand why arms and hands were created. What it's really all about is just grace children the new generation will learn that they are prized and they belong before they've even done a single thing to earn it and the older generation will learn that when they give they will receive and when they give the most they will receive the most and then one day i will tell them human race i am your father you are my daughter you are my son And they will get it. And they will be undone. That's grace. And we are to remember grace. We are to live in grace. Because that's what keeps love alive. And it is the one, the one unique thing that the church has to offer this world. And if we don't do it, who will? John wrote these words. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Would you bow your heads with me? The message of grace is one of unconditional love. It's the heart of the gospel. And it comes from a strength that's beyond ourselves. 
So I'd like to wrap this all up this afternoon with just this question for you. Is there a relationship in your life? Is there someone in your life that could use an extra measure of grace right now? Is there some relationship, some friend, some family member, someone in your life that really needs to know that they have value and they have worth? They have a God who loves them. Is there someone in your life who could really benefit if you would be willing to surrender your rights? I believe that's what God has called us to do. And I also believe it's going to take a strength that's beyond ourselves. Because our default is me first. It is much harder to sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else. But if there is someone like that in your life, if there's a relationship that you are in where someone could use that extra measure of grace this week, and if you're willing to say, I will be that one, Lord, I will do that. I will extend that grace. I will surrender my rights. And I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I would love to pray for you as we close. And that describes you, that describes a relationship in your life where you could use some prayer in that regard. Would you just let me know? We do this every week. Just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment. And as you do, catch my eye because I want to acknowledge you and let you know I'm praying for you. For you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. God can give you the strength to do it. But you got to be willing to surrender. Now, maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the grace of God. Your relationship with God is really based on your trying to earn His favor. Here's what you need to hear today. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And there is nothing, nothing that you can do, nothing you've done that can separate you from that. He is pursuing you all the time. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. He expressed it to you when he gave his life on a cross for you. But what you do have to do is acknowledge your need and ask for his forgiveness. Receive his grace. His mercy and his love and if you've never done that today you can take a first step of faith and it doesn't have to be a big step it's simply the acknowledgement that Lord I've got these faults I've got these failures I've got these weaknesses and I can't change myself I'm asking for your forgiveness and that you would take your grace and apply it to my life I want to follow you and your ways and if you've never done that, but today you want to take a first step of faith, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Just raise your hand, hold it up, catch my eye so I can pray with you and for you as we close. Is there anybody? All right. So join me in this prayer. Lord, here I am. And mostly my life is all about me. And I strive after things for myself. And in my weakness, 
I need your strength. And those of us who raised hands said, there's somebody in my life who needs to know your grace and your love this week. And I'm the one to do it. So would you give me that strength? Would you give me the reminder to be patient, to be kind, to extend your love to that person, to be willing to give up my rights for their benefit? And whether or not I get it in return, I do it as an act of love for you. Would you give me that strength, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.